who is slapping your kids? Knock it off. We'll talk about that tonight. When facial recognition goes wrong, yeah. <laughs> and this is kind of related. When you're watching billboards as you're driving or maybe walking in the mall, they're watching you. Not kidding. Got that more coming up. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. We are live across rumble.com, twitch.tv, YouTube, and Facebook. We're live on all four platforms. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, wherever you are, and whatever part of the planet. Our last show did so well, and it was an anomaly because, I mean, we, you know, we do okay. We have some fun. That's, I, that's why I do it. When this isn't fun anymore, I'll stop doing it. But for right now, it's a lot of fun. And uh, hopefully some of you are enjoying it too. But uh, yeah, we, we, you know, we're going along, going along. And all of a sudden it went bleep, bleep. And then I don't know what last week or not last week. Wednesday's show was just phenomenal. So thank you, all the viewers and likes and uh, follows and subscriptions. We got brand new subscribers out there. Welcome to you. Thank you very much for that. And uh, it, uh, yeah, we appreciate it. Um, liking and sub uh, subscribing and following, by the way, is the way you really help the show out. It's free for you, absolutely free. And uh, it helps us out a lot in our ratings and rankings and helps us with advertisers, things like that. It doesn't cost you a dime, so thanks for that. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time begging for likes and subscriptions and follows, but... Uh, if you wouldn't mind just clicking that button, it would help a lot. All right, we've got lots going on tonight, and the first thing we always do is this. Ding, 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 ding. update. Yeah. All right, this is <laughs> the Miko update. Miko is our Shiba Inu. She just turned three years old. She is quite a little lady. Uh, as you know, my neighbor is a Airbnb place, uh, so we always get a variety of different kinds of uh, neighbors. Hey, K-Chai, good to have you along, and thank you for the like. Appreciate that. Thank you very much. A round of applause for K-Chai, please. Thank you, studio audience. All right. And uh, shared your, oh my God, above and beyond, KHI. Thank you so much. All right, fantastic. Um, Miko is about three years old. Our B &B Air, uh, Airbnb neighbors at the moment is a group of guys who are, they have huskies. I think there's three of them, three or four big huskies. And they are show dogs because this weekend at Mines 2 here in Malaysia, there is a huge dog show. And I think it's the Malaysian Kennel Club, something like that, that sponsors this. It's, it's a big deal. So they are there. They've rented this place to fix up their dogs, get everything set, get them in the van, get them over to the show. So they were going today. I don't know if they're going to go tomorrow or not. But Miko's been beside herself. These dogs are huge compared to Miko. Anyway, so that was her big adventure today. But when I found this, I thought, you know what? Take a look. This, uh, while I'm talking here, I'll just play this. This is Miko at like a, a less than a year old. And <laughs> she's got almost the same amount of energy, but not all the time. Like when she was this age, she is, I don't even, I barely remember when she was like this, 
But when I saw this, I thought, oh, man, I, I got to, in case you've missed it, I got to share this with you. She, she still has those two toys that she's playing with and about 50 other ones by now. Her, her new house is full of toys, but she is absolutely, look at this, going crazy. She loves it. <laughs> jumping in, jumping out. This was Miko, I'm guessing maybe what? eight, ten months year, uh, old. I just, uh, yeah, it was a long time, two or three years, almost three years ago. So uh, anyway, I had to share that with you uh, today because I don't know why. I, I found it and I thought, yeah, why not? Got to do it. Hey, our Miko updates brought to you by the amazing folks at BarkBox.com. What is it? It's a subscription service. You sign up, you pay for it, of course. But every month you will get a themed box of treats and toys for your dog. You can specify small, medium, or large, and they'll adjust it according to your dog's size, what size toys and treats you get. And uh, you get a couple of uh, toys. They're amazing. They're incredible. They all squeak or squish or crunchies, and uh, they're entertaining for your dogs. They love them. And also a couple of bags of treats, which will keep you going for a while. Basically, you get this and you know, unless you want to for the fun of it. You don't need to be hanging out at the pet store all that much. Um, you'll get a couple of toys, a couple of bags of treats, and a dog chew every month. And it just arrives right at your door. You sign up for one month if you want, or a multi-month subscription, six months, 12 months. If you sign up for a multi-month subscription and you use our special link, which is in the show notes, BarkBox.com slash Miko, M-I-K-O, you will get a month free. Six months gets you seven. Twelve months gets you thirteen. So you get a free month, which actually technically reduces the price every month that you're paying. BarkBox.com slash Miko is our special link. I hope you will check it out. And uh, right now, sadly, they deliver to the U.S., U.S. territories, and Canada. They've promised me they're working very hard to get international shipping. I'm going to stick them to their word, and I keep bugging them once a month to say, hey, how about now? How about now? So barkbox.com slash Miko's the link. Even if you're even if you're just thinking about it, go over, check them out, find out more about it, and uh, see. Cindy Lee, you're in the US. I know you could sign up for barkbox.com. <laughs> Thanks for the like, Cindy. Appreciate that. All right. Good to have you along for the ride. Uh, that is barkbox.com slash Miko. All right. We got a lot. A lot going on tonight. And this story that I'm leading off with is about Malaysia. But don't tune out if you're not in Malaysia. If you are, you're going to want to listen to this. If you haven't heard it already, and you probably have because it's been in the news. If you're not in Malaysia, it doesn't matter. Because this applies no matter where on the planet you are. We had something happen here. This story is in our show notes. It's from thevibes.com. And this kind of thing should not be happening. A volleyball match for under 14-year-old girls. These girls are under 14 years old. Sees them slapped by the coach, Charlene Donahue. It's been too many years, Cindy. All right. A, a video emerged of an incident at a national youth championship in Johor last month. 
This is a screen grab of this moron slapping this player, this volleyball player. She's under 14 years old. Should be no place for unwarranted violence in sports, especially between a coach and a player, let alone when those athletes are children. Children. During the 2022 Malaysian Youth Under-14 Volleyball Championship in Johor, that's a state here in Malaysia in the south, December 16th, the third and fourth-placing match for the girls' category saw Malacca take on Johor. Uh, it would have been an ordinary match if not for a rather alarming incident that took place when Malacca was trailing Johor 16-11. to 11. Malacca is another state. It's a state-versus-state state sort of thing. A coach from the Malacca team was seen slapping two of his players. I mean, face slap, whack. At about the 20-minute mark of the match, which was live-streamed on Facebook, the coach can be seen slapping two of his players who'd cost the team a point in the match before a timeout was called. The girls can be seen putting on brave faces and persevering through the match. That in and of itself is an issue, by the way. That these kids have the mindset that it's okay for an adult to do that to them. It isn't. And you need to break yourself of that mindset. Somebody lays a hand on you. They were consoled by their teammates after the coach's assault, which it exactly 100% was an assault. Anyway, Johor went on to win the match. Who cares at this point? Uh, the coach has since apologized for his actions. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, all right, before we get to that part from that slime ball, let me just show you one of the things that have happened. We have an amazing uh, MP here called Hannah Yo. She is... She is quite the pistol. Well, it so happens she is now also the Minister of Youth and Sports. And this headline appeared, This is wrong. <clears throat> Hannah Yo says after the coach is seen slapping the female athletes. Her predecessor also says there is no space for abusive behavior in sports or in life. That, by the way, is Hannah Yo. Um... A recent incident of unwarranted violence against underage volleyball players has drawn attention from youth and sports minister Hannah Yeo. Uh, the Sagambut MP took to Twitter to respond to the Vibes article, that's the one I just shared with you, which highlighted an incident that transpired during this volleyball match. This is just background, basically. There's the fat moron. This is wrong, said Yo on Twitter. In the tweet, she also tagged Education Minister Fadlina Sidek, saying they have spoken about the matter and they were in the midst of gathering more relevant information on the issue. Uh, also, the former uh, sports minister, <clears throat> Ahmad, uh, Datuk Sri Ahmad Faisal Azumi, responded to the incident saying there was no space in sports or life for this kind of abuse. Education, awareness, and effective supervision is important to uh, ensure mutual respect between athlete, athletes, coaches, and administrators. Yeah. All right, I got one more here. Let me just pop that up. Here we go. 
Volleyball incident, slapping incident. Coach apologizes publicly. There's the moron. Sorry, dude. Too little, too late. Shouldn't have happened in the first place. And if I had anything to say about it, or that was my daughter, you would have been charged with an assault. And I would have pushed it until I spent every last penny I had on lawyers and lawsuits putting your butt in jail, which is where it belongs. Apologize or not. Not going to cut it, because obviously your mindset is such that you just don't see players as anything other than your property that you can smack around. 44 years old, said he regretted what he did and was willing to face the repercussions of the incident. Well, at least, at the very least, the repercussion should be that you get your ass fired from your job and banned from any sporting activities on any level in this country ever for the rest of your life. Volleyball, violence, and bullying. They've been normalized here in Malaysia, and wherever you may be listening in, I hope this is not the sort of thing that is happening. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if this sort of thing were to have happened in the U.S.? Whoever the parents were of that girl would own the school, would own the club, would own everything in sight. Vic, and here is, this is an article by, uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, Miriam Mokhtar. Victims are not aware they're victims. Instead, they want to protect the perpetrator of the violence. Those in positions of authority who have the power to instigate change are just not showing leadership by not doing something about this kind of ridiculous, rampant violence that goes on. Nobody deserves to get hit for any reason. The story goes a lot deeper than these two young girls being slapped or the coach who admitted being overcome by emotion. Everybody's shocked by the reaction of the parents. One of the parents said he didn't care. Really? Well, you know what? Child and Family Services, or whatever the Malaysian version of that, ought to take your kids away from you, because you suck at parenting. There have been previous acts of violence in sports. Former Fuhrer, the coach, apologized uh, to the two girls and their parents. Took an easy exit out of a very embarrassing and potentially explosive situation. The coach apologized. Uh, VP Shanmugam said the incident was resolved on the spot on the same day. Well, it ain't resolved because it happened. And there's been very little. In fact, there's been virtually no consequences to the action. It is a failure of society to protect our children care what your mindset is. Don't give me this bullshit that it's some cultural thing. It isn't. It's a human thing. As in, if you live on this planet, if you agree with this kind of crap, there's something wrong with you. We need to send a message throughout whatever community you live in. I don't care where you are. Zero tolerance. Tolerance.
for physical violence. Zero. Nobody, not a coach, a teacher, a headmaster, has the right to slap anyone else, let alone a couple of 14-year-old girls. All right. I said my piece on that. I meant every word, and you will never change my mind. It's disgusting. <clears throat> what else we got going on here tonight? Ah, oh, goodness. I got to get off this. <laughs> hey, you know, we're big on, uh, we, we hate the digital dollar. We ask you to fight against it every chance you get because it will be able to control your life. One of the ways that all of this digital crap keeps coming up is facial recognition. Just look it up in China. You'll find out. You want a credit score? No, you don't want a credit score, trust me. A Georgia man has been falsely arrested after facial recognition got it wrong. Yet another story about low accuracy from the privacy-invasive tech. Facial recognition technology under scrutiny again. The mistaken arrest of a man in Georgia on a fugitive warrant out of a state he's never been to. November 22, just a few months ago, a couple of months ago, Randall Reed, 28 years old, got arrested in DeKalb County, Georgia, after law enforcement officials in Louisiana raised, uh, used facial recognition and mistakenly linked him to the theft of luxurious pur uh, purses in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. They told me I had a warrant out of Jefferson Parish, and I said, What's a Jefferson Parish? He said, I've never been to Louisiana a day in my life. And they told me it was for theft. Now, this is a felony. I don't know what level of felony, but it is a felony warrant. That arrest could have gone horribly wrong, if you know what I mean. And it was a mistake because facial recognition got it wrong. Says, I've not been to Louisiana, and I don't steal. He's black. He was released after five days. The sheriff in Jefferson rescinded the warrant because of differences like a mole on Reed's face. According to the lawyer, there was about a 40-pound difference, 40-pound difference between Reed and the purse theft thief in the surveillance video. Uh, the case renews criticism about facial recognition technology. It is not as accurate as you think it is. It gets it wrong a lot, particularly in relation to people with dark skin, where the technology has been shown with people with dark skin, it is even more inaccurate. It is more likely, according to research, to misidentify black people and those with darker skin than white people, but overall has low accuracy levels. So, you want a piece of facial recognition AI technology putting your, potentially putting your life in danger? 
just keep agreeing to the, oh, the ease and convenience of digital IDs. Here's a new one. The government will try anything, anything to get you on a list. Anything to get you a barcode on your wrist. Anything to get you signed up for a digital ID. And they've found another way. Louisiana has a new law. What is wrong with Louisiana? I thought that was a cool place down there. Anyway, there's a new law that requires age verification on adult websites via digital ID. And guess what? The amount of people signing up for digital ID is increasing. (laughs) Downloads have skyrocketed since the law came into effect in the new year. State digital ID app. Here you see, you see, it's in Louisiana. A digital ID substantially increased the downloads because of the new Republican law. Republican law, really, Republicans. What's wrong with you people? It requires adult websites to verify the age of visitors with an ID. The day before the law went into effect, December thirty-first, downloads increased from a daily average of between. 1,002, 1,005, to over 5,000 downloads. Look at this. Look at this chart. And there's the last few days where they would need that digital idea, uh, ID. Unbelievable. It was sponsored by this idiot, Laurie Shegel, who said she saw the harm caused by pornographic content. Yeah, well, you know, all that's true, but not with the digital ID. Keep your digital mitts out of my freaking business. That you see, if they can't get you because they're going to convince you that oh, it's it's convenient, it'll make your life so much easier. No big deal. Just sign up for the ID. Use the digital dollars. You want to go to you know when that doesn't work, then they're going to try the porn stuff, and apparently. That's working. Next subject. (laughs) When you're driving down the road or you're walking through the shopping mall, you see the billboards. Here in Malaysia, I I don't know what's going on in the U.S. because I haven't lived there for over 20 years. But here in Malaysia, most of the billboards nowadays are giant LED screens. They're very cool. Um, and programmable, and move, and all that stuff. Looks like minority report around here. But, oh, and when you're in the mall, they have these, you know, they're, they're maybe slightly taller than you are, and they've got videos running in them and ads for stores in the mall and special deals, and, you know, if the mall has some sort of event going on for Chinese New Year or Christmas or whatever holidays, it'll advertise them. If you look closely, especially the ones in the mall, you see the little antennas on top? Part of that is because it's programmed not directly there. They send the stuff that goes into the screen. But if you look just above the screen, you will see... Where's my phone? You will see what looks like the little camera that you have on your handphone. 
except it's about the size of a, a coin. You know what that is? It is a camera. And it is watching you watch it. They track you. So far, as far as I know, they're not using any AI facial recognition, although could easily be done. Won't be long, I'm sure. And then you'll get an ad on your phone. But it will notice how many people actually look at the billboard because it's tracking your eyes. So if you walk by the billboard and you're just looking off in this direction and you never look over, you don't count. But if you turn your head or you move and your eyes make contact with that billboard, they got you. I am not wearing a tinfoil hat for this segment of the show, folks. This is legit actually what that is. There is a camera in the front of those billboards. And that's not all. You're not safe in your car. Highway billboards are also watching us. Not kidding. Even if you ignore it, the billboard may be watching you. Secret cameras that track you and sell that information to advertisers. High-tech spying billboards use technology called radar. Same spelling as radar that you know. Onboard cameras already watch those around us to warn about drivers approaching. Blind spots, you know, cameras in your cars. GPS helps us drive more safely. Toll booth cameras Ford's My Key system, GM's OnStar, similar systems with different names and different nameplates. Watch our braking, steering, airbags. I read somewhere that Biden either signed into law or did an executive order, idiot, whatever he does, that by 2023 or four, all cars manufactured have to have an automatic remotely controlled kill switch in them oh look that one up i don't know i don't i didn't see any other research on it but mm. the giant billboard company clear channel outdoor americas they operate over six hundred thousand billboards nationwide in the u.s they are testing out high-tech billboards in major markets new york los angeles and plan to expand the program to additional markets there's an onboard camera system in the billboard, which reportedly taps into your mobile phone signals to analyze how well the billboard ad does its job by tracking whether or not you buy the product. Look it up online or even text or email about it with your friends. So you drive by that billboard with this radar technology, they got gotcha. you. See? When I started in the beginning about the digital ID, the digital dollars, you thought I was kidding? It's happening. It's happening right now. And there is not a damn thing you can do about it. So, enjoy the future. Hmm. Here's another article. It's in the show notes. It's the same, same subject, but it's from, and I hate sharing anything from CBS News because... Legacy media, mainstream media is just complete crap. But this is an interesting article. Spy not now. Spying billboards under fire for using phone data to track shoppers. This is more angled to the ones I was talking about in the beginning, the you know, the billboards that are 
in the malls themselves. Those are watching you right now. We have them here in Malaysia, and they absolutely have cameras in them, and they are tracking you. They don't, as far as I know at the moment, have the ability to specifically identify you, but they will track how many times you looked at the billboard. They are asking the Federal Trade Commission to create an opt-out for people passing by these billboards. You know, maybe I'll just start wearing sunglasses whenever I go to the mall. I'll look like a whack job wearing sunglasses inside, but, you know, whatever it takes. Oh, man. All right. I always end with a feel-good story. This is not necessarily a feel-good story, but it's a cool one. It's very cool. If you are as old as I am, the very first videotape I ever shot was with a camera that was about this big, which had a cable that connected to a giant reel-to-reel videotape recorder. Reel-to-reel. And we had a reel. I mean, you could go up to like a two-inch videotape. We were using, I think, half-inch videotape. It's basically, if you remember VHS tapes, when, when they snagged and all the tape spilled out, it's that size tape, basically, but it's on a reel. You wind it through the heads just like you would a, a audio tape recorder, take-up reel, hit the play and record button, and off you go to the movies. That's the very first... I mean, I shot on 8mm and Super 8 film before, before that. But my first electronic was a reel-to-reel videotape recorder, VTR. Uh, Of course, then, you know, beta and VHS came along and camcorders. And nowadays, this thing is capable of doing anything. Your handphone can take better, high-quality 4K videos than... (laughs) Yeah, so that's where we are. We're moving ahead again. This is an unbelievable story. It's a billion Blu-rays worth of data on a new kind of diamond. Check this out. It's the last link in our show notes. Read the article. It could help overcome a major hurdle to quantum computers and quantum memory. You know, we talk about quantum this, that, and the other thing, quantum computers and physics and all these strange things that we would be capable if our computers were fast enough or could hold enough data. Well, thanks to the crazy Japanese, researchers have grown diamond wafers that could store the equivalent of a billion, a billion with a B, Blu-ray discs worth of quantum data. Quantum computers are the strange physics of the subatomic world to process calculations far more quickly than your computer can, or any computer nowadays can. And it's still very early in the stages of development of this tech. But if it can overcome the practical hurdles, it could lead to breakthroughs in everything. Healthcare, astronomy, 
face tracking technology. <laughs> Here we go again. Or well, just like classic computers have places where they can store data, quantum ones need their own memory devices. And strangely enough, they've discovered that diamond is the most promising material for quantum memory because it contains defects known as nitrogen vacancy centers. And that can store quantum data at room temperature. I don't want to go all wonky tech on you, and this article gets a little bit, not much, but a little bit like that. But they're diamond wafers used for quantum memory. And this is the possibility that quantum computing, we may be right on the edge of it. Unbelievable. We are headed into a strange new world, my friends. Very strange. All right. Where are we? We're at book time, aren't we? One of the things you may or may not know if you're new to the show is that we read books on this program. The last part of the show, we've done this for 309 episodes almost. Uh, we've done all the classics. They come to us from the Gutenberg Project. You can head over to Gutenberg.org and check out all the books. They're all free, free to download. You can download most, most of them as ebooks or HTML files or Word docs and read them. Get back to reading a book. And uh, one of the things that we have tried always to encourage you to do is to read. Reread books that you read when you were 20, 30 years younger. You'd be surprised how your perspective changes. And it would, in a lot of cases, almost seem like a new book. Uh, and also to encourage your kids to read. And some of the research has shown that even if your kid is, yeah, I want to play on my tablet, I want to play games. Even if your kid is read too, they will get the same benefits for the most part as if they read themselves. Now, it's important for them to read. It's important for them to learn to read and to love reading. But if you just can't convince them right now to do it, don't give up, but read to them, or you can have them join the last half of this program. We've been, uh, we've done The Wizard of Oz, we did uh, Alice in Wonderland, we've done Peter Pan, we did so many great books here, Jungle Book, um, The Little Prince. Well, right now we started White Fang, one uh, part one ago. Few few uh, streams. We're up to uh, part two, and each part is broken up into its own chapters. The first part was amazing, and this is chapter one of part two from the amazing book first published in 1906 by Jack Dalton, um, White Fang. This chapter one is called the Battle of the Fangs. It was the she wolf who'd first caught the sound of men's voices and the whining of the sled dogs, and it was the she-wolf who was first to spring away from the cornered man in his circle of dying flame. The pack had been loath to forego the kill it had hunted down, and it lingered for several minutes, making sure of the sounds, and then it, too, sprang away on the trail made by the she-wolf. Running at the forefront of the pack, was a large gray wolf, one of its several leaders. 
It was he who directed the pack's course on the heels of the she-wolf. It was he who snarled warningly at the younger members of the pack, or slashed at them with his fangs when they ambitiously tried to pass him. And it was he who increased the pace when he sighted the she-wolf, now trotting slowly across the snow. She dropped in alongside him, as though it were her appointed position, took the pace of the pack. He didn't snarl at her nor show his teeth. When any leap of hers chanced to put her in advance of him, on the contrary, he seemed kindly disposed towards her, too kindly to suit her, for he was prone to run near to her, and when he ran too near, it was she who snarled and showed her teeth. Nor was she above slashing his shoulder sharply on occasion. At such times he betrayed no anger. He merely sprang to the side, ran stiffly ahead for several awkward leaps in carriage and conduct, resembling an abashed country swain. Well, this was his one trouble in the running of the pack. But she had other troubles. On her side ran a gaunt old wolf, grizzled, marked with scars of many battles. He ran always on her right side. The fact that he had but one eye, and that the left eye might account for this. He also was addicted to crowding her to veering towards her till his scarred muzzle touched her body or shoulder or neck. And as with the running mate on the left, she repelled these attentions with her teeth. But when both bestowed their attentions at the same time, she was roughly jostled, being compelled with quick snaps to either side to drive both lovers away, and at the same time to maintain her forward leap with the pack and see the way of her feet before her. At such times, her running mates flashed their teeth and growled, threatening across at each other. They might have fought, but even wooing in its rivalry waited upon the more pressing hunger need of the pack. After each repulse, when the old wolf sheared abruptly away from the sharp-toothed object of his desire, he shouldered against a young three-year-old that ran on his blind right side. This young wolf had attained his full size, and considering the weak and famished condition of the pack, he possessed more than the average vigor and spirit. Nevertheless, he ran with his head even with the shoulder of his one-eyed elder. When he ventured to run abreast of the older wolf, which was seldom, a snarl and a snap, sent him back with the shoulder again. Sometimes, however, he'd drop cautiously and slowly behind and edge in between the old leader and the she-wolf. This was doubtedly resented, even triply resented. When she snarled her displeasure and the old leader would whirl on the three-year-old, sometimes she whirled on him, and sometimes the young leader on the left whirled too. At such times, confronted by three sets of savage teeth, the young wolf stopped precipitously, throwing himself back on his haunches, with forelegs stiff, mouth menacing, and mane bristling. This confusion in the front of the moving pack always collided with the young wolf and expressed their displeasure by administering sharp nips on his hind legs 
flanks. He was laying up trouble for himself, for lack of food and short tempers went together. But with the boundless faith of youth, he persisted in repeating the maneuver every little while, though it never succeeded in gaining anything for him but discomfort. Had there been food, love-making and fighting would have gone on apace, and the pack formation would have been broken up. But the situation of the pack was desperate. It was lean, with long-standing hunger. It ran below its ordinary speed. At the rear limped the weak members, the very young and the very old. At the front were the strongest. Yet all were more like skeletons than full-bodied wolves. Nevertheless, with the exception of the ones that limped, the movements of the animals were effortless, tireless. Their stringy muscles seemed fonts of inexhaustible energy. Behind every steel-like contraction of a muscle lay another steel-like contraction, and another, and another, apparently without end. They ran many miles that day. They ran through the night, and the next day found them still running. They were running over the surface of a world frozen and dead. No life stirred. They alone moved through the vast inertness. They alone were alive, and they sought for other things that were alive in order that they might devour them and continue to live. They crossed low divides and ranged a dozen small streams in a low-lying country before their quest was rewarded. And then they came upon a moose, big bull they first found, here was meat and life. It was guarded by no mysterious fires, no flying missiles of flame. Splay hoofs and palmated antlers, they knew. They flung their customary patience and caution to the wind. It was a brief fight, brief and fierce. The big bull was beset on every side. He ripped them open or split their skulls with shrewly driven blows of his great hoofs. He stamped them into the snow under him in the wallowing struggle. But he was foredoomed. He went down with the she-wolf tearing savagely at his throat. And with other teeth fixed everywhere upon him, devouring him alive before ever his last struggles ceased or his last damage had been wrought. There was food in plenty. The bull weighed over 800 pounds, fully 20 pounds of meat per mouth for the 40-odd wolves of the pack. But if they could fast prodigiously, they could feed prodigiously, and soon a few scattered bones were all that remained of the splendid live brute that had faced the pack just a few hours before. There was now much resting, sleeping, with full stomachs, bickering, quarreling began among the younger males, and this continued through the few days that followed before the breaking up of the pack. The famine was over. The wolves were now in the country of game, and though they still hunted in pack, 
they hunted more cautiously, cutting out heavy cows or crippled old bulls from the small moose herds they ran across. There came a day in this land of plenty when the wolf plaque split in half and went in different directions. The she-wolf, the young leader on her left and the one-eyed elder on the right, led her half of the pack down to the Mackenzie River and across into lake country to the east. Each day this remnant of the pack dwindled. Two by two, male and female, the wolves were deserting. Occasionally a solitary male was driven out by the sharp teeth of its rivals. In the end there remained only four. The she-wolf, the young leader, the one-eyed one, and the ambitious three-year-old. Wow. That's where we're going to cut it tonight. Chapter one of part two. And uh, we'll continue on. This adventure just gets better and better. <laughs> All right. That is White Fang. Hope you enjoyed that. And uh, we'll continue it on our next show, which will be coming up on uh, Monday night. We'll be back. That's going to do it for us. Thanks so much. Please do like, subscribe, and follow the show wherever you may be watching. We are on four different platforms live three nights a week. Rumble.com is our main channel, plus Twitch.tv, YouTube, and uh, Facebook. And, of course, we're also a podcast. And thank you to all of our podcast listeners who uh, signed up and subscribed. You'll find us on all the platforms, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. We're there. Look up The Jay Sheldon Show and... Click subscribe and thank you. I'll see you on Monday. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Good night, everybody. This, as we always say, is the Jay Sheldon Show.